to The People's Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. People Scientist Army, and welcome back for another episode on the People Scientist Podcast. This week, I'm arming you with the scientific evidence on the fats in our diet, omega fatty acids, and the impact they can have on inflammation and oxidative stress. There's a bit of a debate on what types of fat are healthiest for us to eat right now. There are some people, such as Ken Berry, that are big influencers that promote eating primarily animal fats as a source of fat in our diet. So I will cover why he and others are claiming this, and if there's any truth to this claim. We will also cover what the omega fatty acids are, why they are coined as essential, how they influence inflammation in our body, what inflammation means for our health, and lastly, ways to incorporate omega fatty acids into our diet. Now, not to toot my own horn or anything, but some people may be asking, Stephanie, why should I listen to you on this topic? Well, my master's and PhD degrees both focused precisely on this topic, and I've published eight peer-reviewed studies in this area. So if you were to trust anyone, I would bet my money on me, as I'm a very good source and expert on this topic for you. So let's start off very basic. Fats in our diet come from things like butter, cream, fatty meats, vegetable oils, nuts, and avocados, for example. Now, not all fats are the same. The fat in our diet is composed of different fatty acids. In general, animal fats tend to be higher in saturated fat, and vegetable-based fats tend to be higher in unsaturated fats. Now, these fatty acids can be short, medium, or long in length, they can also be saturated, monounsaturated, or polyunsaturated. Now, the length of fatty acids and their saturation are really important in determining their effect on our health. For example, short and medium-chain fatty acids are absorbed more quickly into our bloodstream versus longer-chain fatty acids. Polyunsaturated fatty acids, meaning they have more than one double bond in their chemical structure, tend to add more fluidity to our cell membranes because the double bonds allow the fatty acid to move and bend, as opposed to saturated fatty acids that have no double bonds and therefore are more linear and rigid in our cell membranes. One important feature about polyunsaturated fatty acids is that they can become metabolized into very important molecules called oxylipins. And that is really what determines their effect on inflammation. The importance of fat on inflammation really comes down to when fats are oxidized. Now, saturated fatty acids cannot be oxidized because they do not have a double bond. That is the argument for some people as to why we should eat more saturated fatty acids. Because sometimes when fats are oxidized, it can produce what we call lipid peroxides, which are very detrimental to our health and can increase the risk of heart disease and cancer. Lipid peroxides are toxic and can cause DNA mutations and cell death. It is because of these lipid peroxides produced from the polyunsaturated fatty acids that some people say we should avoid polyunsaturated fatty acids 
and eat only saturated fats, for example, coming primarily from animal fats. Now, there is a little bit of truth in this, but it is far more complex than that, and I will break it all down for you right now. Polyunsaturated fatty acids can be found, for example, in salmon, fish oil, flaxseed, walnuts, soybean oil, and corn oil, for example. These polyunsaturated fatty acids can become oxidized via two ways. One way, which is by free radicals and oxidative stress in our body. But the most common way these fatty acids become oxidized is through heating or frying with these oils when cooking. Saponin in 2006 showed that heating soybean oil to frying temperatures produced toxic lipid peroxides. This has been shown many times over. Polyunsaturated fatty acids are prone to oxidation and producing toxic compounds when heated to high temperatures. You know, I remember many years ago when I was working at a grocery store in our, in our fryer, we used to fry with canola oil, which also has a lot of polyunsaturated fatty acids. And they made a switch to a different oil called hyaluronic canola oil, primarily for that reason that it would produce less lipid peroxides. So when you are cooking, it is recommended to use oils that are lower in polyunsaturated fatty acids. Coconut oil, which is a plant source of saturated fatty acids, is actually an excellent alternative for cooking and heating. Because it is 92% saturated fatty acids, it is less likely to produce lipid peroxides as a result. Now, some people would like to cook with butter, for example, which again is primarily saturated, but butter still contains 32% unsaturated fatty acids, meaning it can still produce lipid peroxides. However, I do caution with eating large amounts of animal fats, as Mularovo in 2007 detailed how fat is a storage site for environmental contaminants, such as plastic breakdown products, synthetic hormones, and pesticides. My personal recommendation based on the scientific literature is to cook with coconut oil, which is less likely to produce those harmful lipid peroxides and less likely to contain those environmental contaminants that we would normally find in animal fats. Now, when cooking sources of polyunsaturated fatty acids, such as salmon, my recommendation is to not overcook it. Alice Gear in 2004 looked at the cholesterol and lipid oxidation products when cooking salmon. They found that longer cooking temperatures increased the lipid peroxidation products. So again, it is best not to overcook it. The FDA recommends cooking salmon to an internal temperature of 145 degrees Fahrenheit. If you cook longer to a higher temperature, it's more likely to produce those lipid peroxides. Now, a second way, other than heating or frying in oil, that polyunsaturated fatty acids can turn into lipid peroxides is through free radicals and inflammation in our body. Now, reactive oxygen species can induce cancer development via DNA injury. Now, you may be wondering what are sources of reactive oxygen species and inflammation in our body? Well, refined carbs and sugars both produce advanced glycation products and very highly increase our inflammation and oxidative stress. Processed meats, such as deli meats and salamis, contain N-nitroso compounds and can also induce lipid peroxidation. And I had discussed this in last week's episode. If you remember, I mentioned the study by Pierre and colleagues in 2013, where they asked healthy volunteers to eat ham for four days in a row. And they showed that this increased lipid peroxides and nitrosamines in the feces of these volunteers. So it is best to reduce sugars, 
and refined carbohydrates such as white bread, white rice, white pasta, and processed meats from the diet in order to reduce lipid peroxidation within our body. We can also help reduce peroxidation of lipids in our body by eating a diet high in vitamin C, E, carotenoids, and polyphenols. For example, make sure to eat lots of vegetables from a variety of different vegetables, moderate amounts of fruit that are high in vitamin C, such as citrus fruits and berries, as well as nuts, which are a good source of vitamin E. In 2005, Skritz-Deluska observed that colorectal cancer development is associated with serious oxidative stress and lower vitamin C and E status in patients. Ferretti in 2008 illustrated that vitamin C can lower measures of lipid peroxidation in patients. Huang in 2002 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition reported that supplementation with 500 milligrams per day of vitamin C or supplementation of vitamin E of 400 IUs per day significantly reduced indications of oxidative stress in 184 non-smokers versus a placebo. You may be wondering then, perhaps we should take vitamin C and vitamin E supplements. But in truth, the data is actually conflicting on this topic. Some trials show that vitamin E supplementation or vitamin E status is protective against cancer and death, whereas other studies show it is associated with an increased risk. For example, mega doses of vitamin E seem to be associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer. So it's not very clear. And overall, it's not recommended to supplement with very high doses of vitamin E, which is a fat-soluble vitamin, which is more likely to have detrimental effects than the water-soluble vitamins, such as vitamin C. So instead, it is best to consume a diet that is high in vegetables in order to obtain a good source of antioxidants and in vitamin C. If necessary, a vitamin C supplement of 500 milligrams per day may be beneficial against lipid peroxidation. But do keep in mind that the tolerable upper intake level of vitamin C is 2,000 milligrams per day. Otherwise, if you take this high of an amount or more, it can result in gastrointestinal symptoms such as nausea and diarrhea. So please do not think that more vitamin C is necessarily better. So again, you may be wondering, Stephanie, if polyunsaturated fatty acids can become oxidized in our body to produce those harmful lipid peroxides, then why do we want to eat them? Well, the short answer is polyunsaturated fatty acids are essential to our health, and not all oxidation is created equal. This means that because the polyunsaturated fatty acids are essential, just in order for our body to function, we need them, just like vitamins and minerals are essential for our body to function. So if people are eating primarily saturated fatty acids or only animal fats, then they may be missing some of those essential fatty acids. Now there is another way that polyunsaturated fatty acids are oxidized in our body, and this way of oxidation is actually necessary for our health. The second way these polyunsaturated fatty acids can become oxidized is in a very controlled manner via enzymes, such as through cyclooxygenase, lipoxygenase, and cytochrome P450. This enzymatic oxidation produces molecules called oxylipins. Now, oxylipins are essential for our homeostasis or for our body to function properly. We need oxylipins for our skin health to produce the protective stomach mucus, for example, in order for our immune system to function. We need oxylipins for blood vessel health, constriction and dilation. We need oxylipins for blood coagulation, so our blood can clot. When we cut ourselves, then we don't bleed, for example. 
So if you are avoiding polyunsaturated fatty acids, you are interfering with all of these important processes of our body because only the polyunsaturated fatty acids are converted into oxylipins. The saturated fatty acids and the monounsaturated fatty acids are not converted into these important oxylipins. That is why polyunsaturated fatty acids are considered essential. So these essential fatty acids that we need in our diet include the omega-6 and the omega-3 fatty acids. By contrast, for example, as I said, saturated fatty acids are not considered essential in our diet. Generally, omega-6 fatty acids have been coined as pro-inflammatory or causing inflammation. And omega-3 fatty acids are generalized as anti-inflammatory or inflammation resolving. The reason why is because of the oxylipins, these fatty acids are metabolized into in our bodies. You all know the impact of oxylipins on your body. They regulate our immune system, pain, inflammation, and skin integrity. For example, if you've ever taken aspirin, then you know the impact of oxylipins. Aspirin is an inhibitor of these oxylipins because it inhibits the enzyme cyclooxygenase. Now, cyclooxygenase is one of those very important enzymes that converts the omega fatty acids into specific oxylipins. You ever hear of people taking aspirin to thin their blood? It is because it is lowering those blood clotting oxylipins that are produced from those polyunsaturated fatty acids in our diet. Now, it is really interesting because the oxylipins produced from the omega-6 fatty acids, such as linoleic acid and arachidonic acid, do tend to stimulate inflammation and in our immune system. Now, generally, this is considered protective, as we need our immune system in order to fight off bacteria and viruses. However, in our world today, the concept of chronic inflammation is of key importance, where our inflammation never fully resolves. And in this scenario, it could have some negative impact on our health. For example, a few episodes back, I explained how inflammation and depression were linked because chronic inflammation can shift the metabolism of tryptophan away from the mood-stabilizing neurotransmitter serotonin and more toward that detrimental kynurenine pathway. We also know that chronic inflammation can impact heart health because chronic inflammation can change the balance toward more blood vessel constriction, which prevents proper blood flow in our body and increases the risk of a heart attack and stroke. We also know that inflammation certainly plays a role in arthritis and chronic pain. So how do we resolve inflammation then? Well, omega-3 fatty acids are the opposite to the omega-6 fatty acids because they can be converted into anti-inflammatory and inflammation-resolving oxylipins. For example, DHA can be converted into resolvins and protectins that literally stop and resolve inflammatory processes. Now, this is really key because one of the most important areas of research now is to understand how to stop and resolve the chronic inflammation that many of us have. Now, Charles Surhan is really at the forefront of this research. And that is why many clinical trials with omega-3 supplementation show a significant reduction in markers of inflammation because omega-3s produce oxylipins that can resolve inflammation. Now, it is common for us to get far more omega-6 fatty acids than omega-3s in our typical diet. So we generally need to focus on adding more omega-3 sources in our diet. Now, some of those sources include flaxseed, flax oil, walnuts, hemp seed, 
chia seed, algae, salmon, and sardines. Now, there are many great health benefits to adding omega-3 fatty acids to our diet. We would really be missing out on those benefits if we focus on eating saturated fatty acids. I published a few papers looking at adding flaxseed to the diet. Now, flaxseed is a good source of that vegetarian omega-3 fatty acid, alpha-linolenic acid. I conducted a clinical trial in which we asked 20 people to add 30 grams or three heaping tablespoons of ground flaxseed to their diet every day for four weeks. At baseline and after four weeks of eating flaxseed, we collected blood samples to measure the lipid oxidation products in their blood. We observed that at baseline, the older individuals in the study tended to have higher levels of those pro-inflammatory omega-6 fatty acid-derived oxylipins versus the younger people in the study. But after eating flaxseed every day for four weeks, all the people in the study saw a significant reduction in many of those pro-inflammatory molecules and thus reduced their inflammation. The older group saw an even larger improvement in their inflammation and actually became similar to their younger counterparts. So it appeared as though flaxseed was able to reduce lipid inflammation. Now, I published two clinical trials in the journal Hypertension in the years 2014 and 2016, in which we had patients with hypertension and peripheral artery disease add flaxseed to their diet every day for one year. We followed up with these participants several times throughout the one-year period. Again, we noted that flaxseed lowered the concentration of many pro-inflammatory lipid molecules versus the control group that saw no improvement. We also noted a significant reduction in blood pressure with flaxseed intake, and this was related to reducing the number of blood vessel constricting oxylipins. The oxylipins that were reduced with flaxseed intake were the same oxylipins that were associated with cardiovascular events, such as stroke and heart attack, as they published in 2017, meaning that indirectly flaxseed may lower some risk factors for heart disease and we pinpointed it to be likely due to the omega-3 fatty acids present in flaxseed. Now, these findings are supported by another study that was conducted by DASI in 2017. They published that the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, eicosapentaenoic acid and eicosahexaenoic acid, can reduce blood vessel constriction and inflammation in human saphenous veins. In 2017, in the American Journal of Physiology, we reviewed in-depth the effect of omega-6 and omega-3 oxylipids and oxidative products on heart disease and concluded that omega-3-derived oxidation products are anti-inflammatory and dilating the blood vessels versus omega-6 fatty acids. Now, the fact that omega-3s in the diet can resolve and reduce inflammation has implications for many conditions, including mental health. Mocking in 2016 conducted a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials to assess if long-chain omega-3 supplementation could improve measures of depression in patients diagnosed with major depressive disorder. This meta-analysis and many others showed that omega-3 supplementation did indeed improve measures of depression. They specifically showed that the long-chain omega-3 EPA, or eicosapentaenoic acid, was more strongly associated with a beneficial effect on depression. As a result, inflammation has been linked to depression. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to be anti-inflammatory 
and as a result could be the mechanism by which they lower depression in patients. Arvind Dekshan in 2003 reported that essential polyunsaturated fatty acids, including icosapentaenoic acid and ducosahexaenoic acid, were associated with the psychopathology of patients living with schizophrenia. Now, these investigators had asked patients living with schizophrenia to supplement their diet with a mixture of EPA and DHA of 400 milligrams totaling, and to also include antioxidant vitamin E and vitamin C of 400 IU and 500 milligrams respectively. Now they took these supplements in the morning and evening for four months. And they found that supplementation for four months significantly reduced the psychopathology based on different measures, including the total scores for brief psychiatric rating scale, positive and negative syndrome scale, the general psychopathology PANSS scale, and it increased the Henrik's quality of life scale for these patients. So in essence, supplementation with omega-3 fatty acids and vitamins E and C seemed to improve the symptoms for these patients living with schizophrenia. As well, they noted that there was no increase in lipid peroxidation measures in the blood of these patients. Omega-3 supplementation can also aid in other inflammatory disorders such as arthritis. Goosens in 1994 showed that 2.6 grams of DHA and EPA every day reduced pain and symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. In 2012, a meta-analysis concluded that omega-3 intake can reduce the need for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, such as Tylenol, Aleve, and Aspirin, in patients living with rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, so when we look at all the data on fats, peroxidation, inflammation, and oxidative stress, this is what I have concluded. If you are heating, frying, or cooking with an oil, choose something lower in unsaturated fatty acids so that we don't produce those lipid peroxides, which are toxic. Coconut oil appears to be a good choice for this because it is 92% saturated fatty acids, meaning is unlikely to produce those toxic lipid peroxides. However, we do need polyunsaturated fatty acids in our diet because they are essential. We need to produce those oxylipins that help regulate our health. We especially need those omega-3 fatty acids that resolve inflammation. So if you want to add some seed oils to your salads or meals, choose the cold-pressed oils that are less likely to have lipid peroxides. For example, I add cold-pressed flaxseed oil to my meals I just mix it in with my salads, or sometimes I even add it to a smoothie. Other sources of those healthy omega-3s include hemp seed, walnuts, and chia seed as vegetarian sources of omega-3s. Salmon, sardines, and algae are sources of those long-chain omega-3s, EPA and DHA. Now remember, it is best to not overcook salmon. Cook it to 145 degrees Fahrenheit, because if you overcook it, you're more likely to produce lipid peroxides. If taking an omega-3 supplement, make sure to check the ingredients to see that tocopherols, which is vitamin E, or another form of an antioxidant has been added to the supplement to make sure to avoid peroxidation of those omega-3s. Remember to reduce your intake of sugars, refined carbohydrates, and processed meat in order to reduce lipid peroxidation in our bodies. And also remember to get a good source of vitamin C in your diet by eating lots of vegetables and moderate amounts of fruits high in vitamin C, such as citrus fruits and berries. So there you have it. 
my people scientist army. That is the scientific evidence on the fats in our diet, omega fatty acids, and inflammation coming to you from a fatty acid expert. In brief summary, saturated and unsaturated fatty acids both play an important role in oxidative stress and inflammation, and both types of fatty, acid, fatty acids are useful in different situations. Now it is up to you to do with this information what you will. Next week, we will dive into a very related topic, and that is the fats in our diet, blood cholesterol levels, atherosclerotic plaques, and heart disease. So until next week, I hope you all have a super healthy week, and I will meet you back here the same time, same place on the People's Scientist Podcast. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.